Welcome to the Talking Small Podcast, where we make that podcast platinum. Samurai Deli, put them viewers in. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Talking Small Podcast Emergency Coronavirus Quarantine Edition because I don't want to get coronavirus. Al's probably have had coronavirus for a while now in the whole household and they're doing well. Al, how are you doing? Feels good to be a coronavirus survivor, but I'm still uh, self-isolating and you know what? I'm just going to social distance myself from you as well. You know, this is the most... Uh, millennial disease with all these buzzwords so might as well uh adapt to the the new times what the fuck is going on with society right now couple things right off the rip one how come there's no toilet paper anywhere like coronavirus doesn't make you take a shit what are people just like oh if i'm sick i gotta take shits why are they hoarding toilet paper that's that is a good question. I guess people think that stuff's going to, you know, it's a time of emergency, so get the essentials. I, I don't know. But uh have you already, you know, set the timeline of what's happened recently with the coronavirus on the podcast? Yeah, so we were joking about how corona was hot, you know, our work our co-workers were starting to make terrible jokes and whatnot and then um we have the march madness coming up uh next weekend and you know we're a little worried about games getting canceled and whatnot because over in italy who's doing a god-awful job at containing this virus uh you know they're already planning on playing games with no fans in the stands and and all that for at least a month so we're worried about what's going to happen to March Madness, other sporting events. And then today it comes out that uh, they're planning on doing March Madness, but having only essential personnel and maybe a couple family and friends in the stands. And then a couple minutes before we recorded this pod, uh, the Thunder and the Jazz were playing and they just took the, all the players off the court and didn't tell anybody anything. Well, Looks like Rudy Gobert has the coronavirus, and they just put the whole NBA season on hiatus. Everyone's freaking out. And then I log on Twitter.com, and I see fucking Tom Hanks and his wife are in Australia, and they got Rona. Everybody's getting it. It's fucking hot in the streets. Hold on. Fucking Castaway's got Rona? He's going to be cast away and self-quarantined with Wilson, bro. Him and his old lady got it. Well, he, he's he's definitely got experience being quarantined. So first of all, a couple weeks ago on the podcast, I announced that I was going to go to the Final Four. I was looking forward to it. So anyway, let me set the scene. I was going to go to the Final Four, like I talked about a couple podcasts ago. Got some Canadians that I know are coming down from uh, – from the uh, Fort Saskatchewan area, a little uh, Edmonton area. And they're like, hey, look, got an extra ticket. My wife couldn't go. Why don't you just make your way to Atlanta? 
Your boy's pumped. He's never been to the Final Four. This sounds like fucking great time. Free tickets, free place to stay, and basketball for two days while I'm getting crunk. I'm super excited. And, and then, all you have to do is, is sleep with the guy's dad. I mean, that's it. I mean, easy. Yeah, easy peasy lemon squeezy. I can do that in my sleep. So I start getting some like, you know, things have fucked me before in the past. Like I've had uh, tickets to go to Cabo and Cabo had the worst hurricane they've ever had and like wiped out the place I was going to stay like literally two weeks before I was going. Um so I'm not. I buy like NBA players jerseys. They immediately get traded. You know, I've had. Some, I I got the stink on me when it comes to like big big events. And so all of a sudden with this coronavirus, I'm starting to see like, ah, so and so's not doing their stuff overseas, and so and so's not doing stuff here. And I so start talking in our Slack. I'm like, hey, watch, they're going to cancel the Final Four and piss me off. And lo and behold. Them fucking NCAA motherfuckers cancel the goddamn or ban the fans, which to me cancels my trip. I'm pretty pissed about it. Do I have the right to be pissed or am I overreacting? I think you have the right to be pissed. You brought up a good point earlier in the uh, Slack when we were discussing this. Is your God-given right as an American to go and infect yourself? You're very pro-choice when it comes to this disease. If you had to choose to attend the Final Four and potentially get coronavirus, would you do it? Fuck yeah. So I would. I am being oppressed right now. I deserve the right to go live my goddamn life however the fuck I want to. And don't go telling me I can't go watch the Final Four that I got a ticket for. If you don't want me there, don't have me a ticket. This is absolute, complete bullshit. This is the government just fucking us over, and this is like, somehow the Democrats are involved because, I mean, Trump said coronavirus wasn't a big deal, and there's no way Trump would have canceled basketball games. Yeah, so I think I think you have a point here. I mean, all these people who were going to go to the games and are fans of these teams— they're just going to gather at bars, at their friends' houses, and they're going to watch the games anyway. So I don't see this being as big of a deterrent as they think it is. And uh, now Rudy Gobert coming down with coronavirus after he mockingly hit a whole bunch of reporters' microphones and all that, joking that, you know, oh, I'm not going to carry it. And then he turns out to be uh, testing positive. That's that's pretty fucking funny, and that's a little curveball to the situation. So, but I can see right now, Harley. You know, you've taken a big hit, but America and the world can still gamble on these games. Now, the NBA suspended their season indefinitely right now, and watching this thing shake out, we could see the NCAA be a bunch of followers. And follow suit. But what you do have to look forward to is the NCAA not wanting to throw away free labor in exchange for money here. You know, if they can milk these players who they aren't even paying to begin with for a little bit of that TV money, you know, fingers crossed, you may be able to pull it off. Well, guess what? The NBA now says, ah, now we're not going to cancel the season after tomorrow. 
or starting tomorrow, we're going to just do it with the Pelicans and Kings game. Pelicans, Kings game, now officially canceled. Hey, NBA, make up your fucking mind. These people are already in the fucking arena. They're already contaminated if they're fucking contaminated. What are you going to do, send them all home? Why don't you just bring us all into the same place, pay for all of us to go to some place all together, infect us all, get this fucking over with, and then we can go on in our lives in two weeks. This is ridiculous. I didn't even smoke, but I just had a brilliant idea. You already have all those people in the arena, and you're just going to send them home packing. Why don't you fucking have coronavirus test kits there and test all these motherfuckers? Uh, that could be expensive, so we don't. We wouldn't want to possibly pay for the extra stuff. And the funny thing is, is Lonzo Ball's still warming up after the game. Like this guy just wants to play. Like, what are y'all doing? Hey, hey, you're shooting good right now. Let's get some shots up. No, nah, he just missed a, a bunny. But like, what? Wait, how much of a weirdo fan are you that the game's canceled and you're just sitting watching Lonzo Ball take pointless shots? Uh, well, I don't know. It's on ESPN, so I, I just it was on the background of the TV. So I, I really don't know if this is live or not. It doesn't say live, so maybe this is from earlier. But More it, propaganda by MSESPN. I just don't. I just don't understand. No, it's definitely live because there's Dave Pash and uh, Richard Jefferson talking. I just don't understand the whole. Oh my God, we can't do gatherings. Guess what, guys? Gatherings will get this the fuck over with. Do you, like? Let's go. Like, what do you think? People aren't going to go to the supermarket. People aren't going to go to fucking St. Patty's Day parades. Like, people aren't going to go to bars. People aren't going to go to fucking Twin Peaks and uh, uh, tight ends. New Orleans, New Orleans know, canceled their St. Patty's Day parade, and so did New York City the first time in like 258 years. Yeah, the the some so there's something rotten in Denmark here. It, it, this is this just doesn't seem right. This is taking away all the fun. And when they actually cancel the NCAA tournament because of all this fucking social justice warriors out there, I'm going to go and personally punch every one of them in the goddamn nuts because this is bullshit. I take off of work this coming Thursday and Friday, and I sit on my couch and watch fucking games and bet. Do not take that away from me, you pieces of shit. Talk about cancel culture getting out of hand. Al, I just don't understand. I mean, Rudy Gobert is just joking around like there's no way I possibly have this this disease that everyone's freaking out about because, you know, I feel so fine. I could even play tonight, but I'm just going to sit because the pussification of the NBA. Oh, lo and behold, does he have corona? Yeah. Mm-hmm. COVID-19. Get the fuck out of here. You're canceled. It's, it's- it's really escalating quickly. Well, they're finding a bunch more in Louisiana. I hadn't heard from dirt since uh, coronavirus came. I'm just, t- I'm just like uh, following the tracks. New Orleans gets corona. Then later, Slidell gets corona. Who do we know that's always going from New Orleans to Slidell, delivering shit that could potentially affect people? I'm just saying, if there was going to be a host, dirt's fingerprints definitely look like they could be involved. Uh, Dirt just sent me a snap recently saying it's everybody's fault for keeping keep ordering and stuff from China. So, well, I mean, yeah, he's probably putting the blame on somebody else. He's not taking the blame. Don't put the blame on me. Now Lonzo Ball's going into the locker room because they kicked him off the court because potentially everybody in the whole uh, what's it? Is this still called Sleep Train Arena or something like that? That's just God. God, this is stupid. 
Now, Harley, this virus so far, you know, it's still early in the virus's life. It's got around a 3% uh, death rate. Now, that means three out of every 100 people die from it for you not good at math. No, 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 no. So, That's not what that means. That means three people out of every 100 that actually get tested for this puny-ass disease die. If Rudy Gobert it can sit there and play an NBA game with it, it clearly it couldn't have been affecting him. I heard, I see most of the effects are mild. So let's 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 tone this down, this this fake this fake news that it's 3%. It's not 3%. It's 3% of the people that are tested. Stay woke. Yeah, I mean, for all I know, I could have it. I was sick almost a month ago, and I'm still packing up stuff here and there. So I think I'm going to survive. Now, hopefully I don't give it to somebody who dies, but Hey, I got to put food on the table. I got to put diapers on my kid's ass. So I'm out here like an American, uh, doing what I do, Larry. I I don't know, man. I just, when you're going to go to the NCAA Final Four and you're getting ecstatic and you're getting hyped about it, and and me and your dad have even talked about, oh, maybe we just don't go to fucking Gulfport for opening weekend because, oh, I don't know, people are going to be acting like fucking morons. Like, like who? Like I tried to. So look, side story. One of my horses. This this you'll like this is having a um, uh, what's the best term? A weenus issue. <laughs> so he's got a problem with his horse cock yeah so uh, it's so evidently i didn't know this white horses so the little pony sarge or miniature horse <laughs> have some kind of like a uh, weenus cancer but it's not like it's deadly or anything it doesn't like kill him any faster than just like old age would but this weenus cancer you know they 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 get some like a uh, build up and and stuff and there there's some there's some uh you know stuff that's got to get taken care of down there well you got to jerk your horse off don't let's not jump to any conclusions here so what what's happening is is there's a cream that i have to put a disposable medical glove on and rub in his sheath so horses their cock's not always out. They're not like humans. They're kind of they they kind of have like dog type penises where they come out and then they can retract inside the <laughs> sheath. So I have to. The more you know. <laughs> I, yeah, you wouldn't think you're getting educated on horses tonight. So I had to put a glove on and put this cream and go in the sheath and kind of like lather this area with this cream. So first of all. It took that took some convincing myself because no matter if you're a guy or just shoot it, it's a horse or it's a dude. You don't want to put your hands as a as a guy. You don't want to put your hands anywhere near a penis unless it's your own. Then you have no problem doing it because that that just needs to get worked out every now and then. But that's just self care. The horse, like, so I, I'm you know I got to do that, and I got to do it a couple like twice a day, morning and night, and. uh so I got to go buy some gloves. I go into a fucking CVS and like all the gloves, every like medical supplies gone. Like these people are like hoarding them at their house. Hey, dumbasses, if you're hoarding everything, that means everybody else isn't fucking getting the, the sterilization or whatever the fuck they need. So you're, you're, they're just infecting everything, which is going to infect you just because you're clean. Doesn't you got any, everybody's got to be clean on this. We're all in society together. So stop being jerks. 
George, stop stealing the medical gloves that I'm using to put rub cream in the sheath because my horse has a bad weenus at the moment. So you're really enjoying this uh, Christmas present that Ella got you. He First, he, he shit in your car and you had to put him in the trunk. And now you got to fucking rub dick cream on his weenus. You're just you're just living the life. So and, and now the NCAA tournament's getting canceled. Well, in full disclosure, as soon as you like put your hand near that thing retracts, I don't know how far it goes back. I ain't going in there and looking for it. But surprisingly, it's it's there's a lot of space in there. It's like a kangaroo's pouch. Whoa, it's homie in there. He's got a homie he's got a homie dick region. I'm just telling you, there's like there's a lot of space in there. You wouldn't have thought so. I mean, you see a horse's, you know, cock, and you, you know it's it's it. They don't call it a horse cock for nothing, but evidently that thing can like disappear, does some kind of magic tricks in there because it's not like it's it's easy to find. That is, the more you know. Once again, um, yeah, man, that that sounds terrible. So and you want to you want to give us another uh, animal update? Uh yeah. So unfortunately, uh, uh my buddy uh, Mix, the uh, our longest running animal, uh, he passed away a couple weeks ago. Uh, great dog. He uh, had a uh, he had meningitis, which is a, <laughs> I don't think many dogs have that. He was un- undergoing chemo. He he was looking really rough, and uh, he decided that that was fucking enough, and just decided. Uh, he was done, uh, tapped out, missed my man. So now we're down to four dogs, two cats, and two horses. <sighs> I, miss you, I miss you, Mix. Uh, I dress in peace, Mix. Love you, buddy. Um, and uh, thanks for being such an awesome dog. And uh, see, see you on the flip side, bro. Damn. You sure they didn't miss night diagnose him early? Maybe he was the first case of corona? Um, so if you go to the CDC website, cause there's a lot of fake news out here about the Rona, uh, it says animals cannot transmit or host the disease. However, there's also rumors about it coming from like bat soup. So I don't know what to believe, <laughs> but CDC basically, I, I, I trust you. I, I don't think my dogs are going to give me Rona. Plus they're out here in the country. So country strong dogs all day, every day. If this thing escalates any further, we may have to have nope. a Wuhan expert on, Michael Chen. Oh, okay. I was about to say, I thought you were going to say if it escalates, you're going to be cu- traveling up here. And I was going to say, no, you sickly asses with a kid are staying the fuck away from the country because the country is a safe haven at the moment with zero confirmed Ronas, zero likely Ronas. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple cases rumored to be at LSU. So, you know, I can say the full name Michael Chen because there's probably about 500 million of them. So you don't know which one I'm talking about. And like at least a hundred thousand of the Michael Chins probably have Rona. So <laughs> that's not racist. That's just a scientific fact. I think that's a kick. I think, I think that's legitimate. I think that's a kick. Yep. I, I did look at this this coronavirus graphic of like, you know, co- how it was transferred from country to cr- country as far as they could tell. And of course, it started in China. We all know that. But um, Italy just 
giving it to everybody. Like if this was an SD STD chart with like coronavirus was chlamydia, Italy gets around, bro. They're they're passing that shit. I, I'm not sure what their health precautions are there, but it is it is they gave it to about 35 countries. Yeah, so you got to watch out for the Italians. Uh, shout out to Jay Bone. Hope you hope you're doing well. Th- thanks for all the shots out on the podcast. Y- you're killing it, buddy. Uh, but I gotta tell you, you Italians, you're not very good at like you know closing in your borders. Um, I, I, yeah, how about you have a little the, like? Why are you tr- why are y'all having such an issue with it, huh? No one else is having the issue like you are. So Italia, s- fucking straighten up. Come on, y'all are all soft now. Fucking gelato eating motherfuckers. I don't know. I'm I, I'm sorry, Jay Bone. I didn't mean to take that out on all Italians. I just I lost the I lost the NCAA tournament, and I, I'm having to fight to find gloves to to prepare my horse's weenus like it needs to be prepared. So I, I I'm just it's a it's a tough time, and now no Pels tonight, which I was looking forward to. I I just I, oh god, at least I won my bet on Sienna tonight. Went one and zero, great bet. Uh, killed it, and then um. I killed on my uh, stink proof. Got Chris on the Hofstra. Oh, speaking of the uh, NCAA, I've I've contacted our lawyer, uh, Chrissy Tom, uh, Chrissy Two Chins, Four Chins, and uh, we are considering suing the NCAA for my oppression of getting the virus and watching college basketball. So heard it here first. Well, good luck. Good luck with that. I mean, I hope. Uh, I hope you win your case. Uh, well, I might. I mean, I got. I got Chris as my lawyer, so um, I'm already behind the eight ball. Yeah, maybe a little rough. Yeah, he he tried to come have lunch with me the uh, the other day. Called me the same day. Of course, I was busy, and then he wants to blast me out on the uh, on the Snapchat. So, Chris, I'm I'm on to you. You said you're going to come up in two weeks. I'm I'm thinking you're going to call me at about eight o'clock in the morning and try to get lunch. So I've uh, I've I've uh, covered my calendar for the next two weeks so I can have lunch with you at any point of the time. Well, what's the customary time someone should give you? Like how how many minutes uh, heads up should they give you if they want to meet you for lunch? Uh, if you want a confirmed meet for lunch with me, I need a uh, 24-hour notice or at the very least maybe 18 before I leave for that day so I can rearrange meetings. I do. I personally do not like to rearrange meetings before or the day of. So, so you need like at least 12 hours notice yeah, or 24 hours it, notice? It's like it's before I leave work that day. Uh, so, you know, if I normally leave work at six o'clock, um, so, you know, if I, if you're going to tell me to, for, for 11, the next thing, it's around 18. Yeah. All right. Good to know. By the way, uh, I do want to also say that I got some great new, uh, boot footwear attire. I fall, I, I've been missing my buddy Craig. And so I got some work boots that have the American flags like Craig always wore. So every time I'm walking around making money, I can think of Craig because me and him don't talk anymore. And, uh, you know, I, every time I put them on, I'm going to think I'm more Texas than him. So it's a good cowboy boot. Did you get those boots sent to you or did you actually buy those? Because I know they're the same model that Craig had, but they are some fucking hideous boots. 
Um, they have a boot truck that comes to work, so I get a voucher. To, I can spend up to $150 on, on boots, and those American flag boots are basically uh, $135. So I give about $15 away back to the man, but that that's priceless when you can think about how awesome you are compared to Craig every time you put them on. Well, I mean, he th- that's how he got his boots, I'm assuming, because he has that same exact pair. Yeah, that yeah, he he's definitely got them. And in this this moment, I'm actually following Craig, but it's in momento. So Yeah, I'll be uh hopefully I'll be going to Texas this weekend, so maybe I'll run into him. I know it's a big state, but he may be bigger. I I don't think you're going to run into him. I th- I think he's probably got coronavirus and he's probably being quarantined. Like, can't you see Craig like finding out like uh, I don't know, uh, whatever uh, bedazzled strip club that he wants to go to has infected dancer. Craig would try to get through the door so he can be quarantined with that stripper. That's how desperate that man is. <laughs> he finds out that uh, tight ends has got workers that got Rona. Craig's going to try to bust through the doors like the Kool-Aid man to get in there so he can be quarantined with those asses. He'll gladly get coronavirus from eating a stripper's ass. Oh, they talked about that on PMT today, that it's uh, ass-eating season's officially suspended. Oh, shit. Well, I don't know if Craig will listen to that. No, but you think Craig eats ass? I think his face is too fat to eat ass. At least right now it is. I'm sorry. That was mean. That was mean. I'm, I, I'm just... I'm upset, Craig. That was that that was. It's all on me, not on you, buddy. Attacker. Um, you you got any more? Uh, you got any more things to burn on here? Uh, no, that's that's really it. I'm gonna have uh my sister on it uh, in a couple weeks because uh we just had a family crawfish bowl. I got a lot of notes uh from that that I, I need to elaborate with her on. Uh, it was a good time. It was nice seeing the family. I boiled some crawfish for them. They were bomb-ass crawfish, so um, I- I've been killing the crawfish game every time I've, I've laced it up this year. You may want to give Chris some notes. I heard he did a crawfish bo- – well, sources say that Chris did a crawfish boil as part of the pre-wedding festivities for Bob, which hopefully we'll also have that podcast reviewing that wedding for you guys some come to, uh, coming sometime in the near future. But the sources from that crawfish boil say that Chris cooked some of the worst crawfish they had ever had in their life, and they they weren't joking. They weren't saying that as a gimmick. I don't doubt it. I've seen him operate, and it's just it's subpar, just blatantly subpar. Uh, I think if they had one word to describe it, they would call it salty. <laughs> um, and maybe that uh, reviewer we can uh, actually get on now that uh, coronavirus has given them an extra week of spring break. But who knows? Don't reveal your sources. <laughs> No one, no one would know who's still in college that we hang out with. I mean, no one would have any clue who that is. Yeah, it could be anybody. We're big in the college demo. All right, you got anything else, buddy? Or are you, uh, you good? Uh, oh, I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm all right. I'm. I'm gonna go see Burt Kreischer tomorrow night in New Orleans. If that isn't canceled by coronavirus, so uh, maybe able to get a 
picture of me and uh, Bert shirtless, you know, just two podcasters, <laughs> legends in the game doing the damn thing. All right. Well, good luck with that. I hope you don't give them Rona. But if you do give them Rona and you get quarantined together, maybe I should give you the Zoom. Oh, that is a good idea. And uh, I'm going to be seeing uh, one of Amber's relatives this weekend who has shown interest in joining the podcast game. So what what exact recorder do we have? Just because I may not be able to ask you later. It's a Zoom what? H4N or something? No, it's a Zoom H5. The handy recorder. Zoom H5. Oh, yeah. It's great. All right. Got it. It's a great one. All right. So stay tuned for my cousin Kenny to talk investments coming on right after Al. So if you're into investing and you're from the uh, New Orleans Investors Group, thank you for checking out the podcast. And uh, here comes cousin Kenneth Marshall from Kenneth Marshall Investments. Hey, and I just want to mention, um, you know, if you're going to be social distancing and self-isolating yourself to not catch the coronavirus and you're look, you're getting lonely, it's 3 a.m., you need some company, download the Talking Small podcast. You got friends here. Because, you know, you might be quarantined and it's been a while since you checked out the Talking Small podcast. You got it. All right. Here comes Cousin Kenny. All right, now we're welcoming on, welcoming in a returning guest, my cousin, investor extraordinaire, the person I know who knows most about investing from New Orleans investors, Kenneth Marshall Investing. Is there anything else you dabble in now, Kenny? No, just still the same thing, stocks and real estate and stuff. All right, you're still an ambidextrous investor? Oh, yeah. I mean, I still can write with both hands and I still invest. So I guess so. All right. So uh, this week has been a very interesting week for the Dow Jones and just the markets in general. So first question for you is just what's going on right now? Well, we, we, we were due for a market pullback. Everything was kind of rising in price. So I'm not too surprised by it. But we have a we have a uh, what uh, Warren Buffett called a one-two punch. So we got the coronavirus fears and all the economic uh, slowdown that's going to cause, combined with the lower oil prices, which tend to drop stocks down in most cases. So you got that one-two punch, and the fact that we were a market pullback was needed. So you got this, that combination kind of just going on. So yeah, that's what that's what's happening. It's just declining. What what's a what's a market pullback? Just when the market falls a little bit, it's been uh, it reached. Uh, I thought it reached its highs in February. I'm not really certain. So, so around February, it reached its highs, and then just pull back, pull back. I think now it's technically a bear market, which simply means uh, I think it's a 20% decline or more. So yeah, we're in a bear market right now, or we're on the verge of a bear market. It's either or, but it's just when the market pulls pulls back a little bit when it makes a correction because valuations have gotten too high. Okay, so. And what you said is the Warren Buffett was talking about the one-two punch. So you're saying oil prices. What's what's driving oil prices right now? Well, I mean, no, no, no. The the, the OPEC uh, the OPEC thing was we had the coronavirus. Oil then oil prices uh, were declining already, and then you had the OPEC thing, which kind of put the uh, you know kind of made oil prices decline even more severely. So that's just that's just making everything kind of fall you know fall into place. 
Um, you know, that, you know, that's, uh, yeah. So with, um, I know you wanted to ask me about, uh, was it Murphy USA? I think it was. Yeah. So one Uh, of the, one of the companies is like, so you got, you got Murphy oil, which is, I guess, a spinoff from their, uh, other, the gas station side of it is Murphy USA. So on the, on the Monday when the market fell like 2000 points, Murphy Oil took a hit. Pretty much every one of your oil companies took a big hit. Your chemical companies, everybody big hit anywhere between 12 and 20%, some even more than that. And then but you had this Murphy Oil Murphy USA, which is I guess a bunch of gas stations. And for whatever reason, those jumped on the mar- day the market's crashing up a, like 4 or 5%. And my question was is do they just think cheap gas means gas stations make more? I I, I didn't really understand that. The Murphy USA, I thought Murphy USA was the spinoff um, from Murphy Oil. I can't really remember. But, yeah, I, I haven't researched Murphy USA uh, specifically as a company. I just thought it was um, – I know it's gas stations. It's like a – it's like a large – there's a – they have gas stations spread all over the country. I'm not sure how many. Uh, they – gas stations have a different business model. I I mean, gas stations are a lot – a lot of it's involved with retail, lower oil prices – for franchise for franchising gas stations, they're going to have to pay a fi- kind of a fixed fee to get gas from the from the from their uh, franchiser. The only they only got to they have to buy one brand, and um, lower oil prices ne- don't necessarily mean lower uh, lower sales for gas stations. From what I know, that uh, lower lower oil prices may mean more people actually may buy more gas, which in turn may help the gas stations in other ways you see like gas station i mean gas companies the, the biggest ones hit from uh you know from oil price declines are the gas exploration companies and the gas gas extraction companies anything that's uh you know these companies are pulling oil out of the ground and it, oil prices hurt them because it's the same effort for less pay so they'll pull oil, oil out of the ground and for every barrel they can get paid fifty dollars but but if the oil prices decline to $25 a barrel with the same effort, they're getting paid only $25. So that's why those take the biggest hits. And then, uh, but the refiner- refineries, refineries um, don't take as big a big of a hit when the oil prices decline because refineries actually can benefit from uh, lower oil prices because they got to buy the oil, and they have to buy the oil to refine it, and they make a di- they make a profit based on the. Um, based on the spread between the refined product and the crude product which they buy. And as far as that's concerned, the loyal oil prices hurt refineries, but I mean, excuse me, loyal oil prices can help refineries. But the reason why they're declining too is because this coronavirus, they fear an economic slowdown. So there's going to be less demand for jet fuel and transport, transportation fuel and stuff like that. So although they're not hurt as much as the oil and gas exploration companies, they're, uh, they're going to be hurt a little bit. Um, and that's I think the refineries have a good opportunities right now because I think the coronavirus will be short term. The demand for a refined product will still be strong. But then they get to the gas stations, but the gas stations aren't going to be hurt as bad, bad from lower oil prices. It just means you know, more people might be buying gas as a result and as such, you know, be already visiting oil stations and getting, you know, and, and helps oil stations with the, real t- with the retail side as well. So is that one of the reasons you were uh, one of the stocks you've been looking at is Marathon? And not well, look at marathon. 
Uh, go on. I'm sorry. No, yeah, yeah. No, just one of the stocks you're looking at is Marathon Petroleum Company. Since they are, they don't have any exploration. They're strictly refining, plus some gas stations. That seemed to be one of the companies. I know you talked to me probably seven to eight months ago, and at the time it was looking really good. And probably in the last two months, Marathon's kind of took a took a little bit of decline there. Uh, just thoughts on it individually on, on Marathon. What you what you think? Well, I would say, yeah, I'm a fan of Rockefeller. You know, he built refineries. And that's kind of the same concept always applies. I mean, the oil comes to them. They don't go out and you know, they don't go out and have to explore, extract, do anything like that. It just comes to them, and it's a lot. It's a lot simpler business, less capital intensive. But you've, uh, but basically, Marathon and Valero were two. I would you know were two. I kind of like they're they're basically pure refineries. They're not really going on these. Uh, they're not like Exxon or I think Chevron is kind of mixed too. I'm I'm not really sure about the Exxon Exxon Chevron and Royal Dutch Shell, but. Uh, Valero and the uh, Valero and um, Marathon are, like I said, pretty much pure refineries. So there's a lot, you know. That's why I kind of like them a lot better. They 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 will benefit from the consume from the lower oil prices when they have to purchase the oil to refine it. And the refined the refined product may be suffering a bit of a lag now to due to tra- you know travel bans and all that stuff, whatever the case may be. But it, I think it's kind of short term. So I do think. If you were going to buy oil, then the refinery companies would probably be the better option. I mean, exploration companies will be more speculative, and the, the extraction companies will be more speculative, but the refineries would probably be better. As far as gas stations, I mean, I don't know about Murphy USA as a uh, individual stock. I mean, it, it hasn't really declined too much. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not sure if the lower gas prices will lead to like a really big increase in profits, but the refineries are what I'm what I'm kind of betting on right now. Okay, so. When you say bet, betting on, so is there going to be like early indications of when the market's going to turn around, or do you think this is going to be more of a long-term thing that we're going through right now? I mean, I don't try to predict the future. I'm not an expert on the uh, basically on the economy. I'm not an expert on you know on the you know how the market's really good. I mean, when I buy a stock, I typically buy it or buy a company. I, I buy it when considering all other all eventualities so i'm not going to i mean if i buy an airline stock that's doing great in an economic boom period and it's making four billion dollars but in an economic downturn it makes two billion it makes it's 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 revenues or earnings are is cut in half then what i do is when i buy the company i just average it out so it kind of it kind of uh i'm like okay well it might earn three billion on average or something like that so that way when i buy the company i'm already prepared in case there's a downturn. I mean, but the simple answer is, I mean, I'm not an economic, you know, folks on a downturn so much, but a simple answer would be, you know, people increase travel, uh, you know, employment numbers, GDP growth. Um, we see uh, more consumer spending, which will lead to increased earnings for companies, which, of course, will lead to a stock a stock market bounce. If you see a stock market bounce back up like 20%, then you can, like, consider it a turnaround. Is there anything we should be looking for that kind of early indication, like if we start seeing oil prices turn or if they announce a vaccine for this uh, coronavirus, anything anything like that we should be trying to keep our ears to the ground for? Well, these questions that you're answering are like they're very like entertaining. Um, and I always give boring answers. I'm like, I don't even predict the future. I don't I don't whatever the future entails. I'm just going to. I prepare. I prepare myself by buying companies that can sustain any storm, any upcoming storm that's going to happen. So I'm not really. I mean, what indicators? Like I said, maybe 
I don't know about the oil prices, but the uh, like I said, but consumer spending will lead to increased earnings and stuff like that. So those those indicators, but there's no indication that what we're going through is going to be is going to last forever. I mean, maybe maybe this uh, bear market or the market fall, whatever you want to call it, is going to last. Maybe it's going to last another two months. Maybe it's going to last another six months. You really don't know. It might last just another two weeks. So it's kind of. You kind of just you really don't try to predict the future. You just kind of buy companies that are really you know that are fairly that are valued very well. I mean, they have really good valuations that have a good sustainable business model. So that's all I do. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as predicting and, and looking for, I never really look for signs of a uh, of an economic recovery. I mean, there's other investors who like to gamble. Uh, who like to gamble, and let's say this company X Y Z is going to come up with a come up with a uh, vaccine or something, and they'll gamble or on it, and they'll put some money into it. And I know some investors in the group, if you want to interview them, too, um, if you want to have a conversation, too. I think, you know, Teladoc was some, somehow Teladoc or something was involved with it. I don't I never researched Teladoc, but there's a there's another investor, Dennis, Dennis Morgan, in my group who researches stocks like that. So but yeah, I don't as far as me predicting the future, I don't really I don't really try to predict the future. Yeah, Teladoc was one of the stocks that uh, one of the podcast viewers asked about. And it seems like the business model is basically you can call doctors on the phone, make it really easy. And it, their thought process was Teladoc would get higher traffic now that people are having this pandemic and the reaction to coronavirus. But what what you're kind of saying is, in your eyes, you're not trying to predict what companies are going to come out well for coronavirus. You're more looking at good companies that you might be able to scoop up on a discount right now. Is that correct? Yeah, in most cases. I mean, I'm sorry to disappoint that uh, that listener because uh, yeah, you can't like as an investor, you can't study. There's so many companies in the market, and you can't study all of them. I mean, there's some there's some people who study some companies I've never even heard of in my group, and they're they're more or more or more uh, you know medical biotech companies stuff like that. I mean, you can only study I can only study so much, but the companies I invest in will. You know, typically for, they're going to be they're going to be sustainable for the long term. They're going to be able to weather the storm. They're going to be able to, uh, you know, things like that. They're just a, sustain, a sustainable business model. Um, yeah, so I'm not really trying to take advantage of a coronavirus per se because, I mean, if if a stock has that aspect where it will benefit from the coronavirus, that's good. That would just be a bonus to me. It's not going to be. It's not going to be. Oh, I'm going to buy the stock because it's going to benefit from the coronavirus. It's got a, it's got, it'll be a bonus, but the stock would be overall a good business to buy. It'll be a, it'll be a good business at a great price, or, or a good business at I mean, a great business at a good price. Excuse me. So, kind of in those lines. So you're not looking for one that might benefit. Are you trying to steer away from ones that you think will have a, a tough time with viruses, something like Carnival Cruise Lines, that that type? I think uh, Carnival Cruise Lines. I'm not. Once again, I, I, that business. I didn't. I never really cared to invest in that business. Uh, they took a massive hit. I think it was what a 50% decline. I, I I I can't recommend people invest in. They might be catching a fallen knife. I mean, you don't you don't know how long the coronavirus travel restrictions will be. You don't know, you know, the, the effect on earnings. So it might be a little bit. I, I, it might be a good time to buy coronavirus if someone's knowledgeable in the stock. But as I can't, you know, I'm not too knowledgeable in the stock. But I know it's declined uh, severely, and the storm may last long. The storm may last longer than people think. So, I mean, you, <laughs> there. I mean, that's that would be my opinion on the stock. I might avoid it. I, but then again, I haven't analyzed it. I mean, I, I guess the price. You, if the the I whether you should invest in Carnival Cruise or other cruise lines, um, whatever, the, whatever you know, whatever the stock may be, Norwegian Cruise or whatever. If you're going to invest in them. Um, 
you got to just be sure that the perception is worse than reality. Like maybe the coronavirus cuts into earnings, maybe it you know, decreases earnings by 20% for the year, 25% for the year, and the stock has fallen 50% in value. So usually if you can take advantage of that profit spread, that's the, but that once again, you're going to have to research that. I'm not really sure about the, I know Carnival Cruise just took a big hit, but I'm not sure. It might be a falling knife for all I know. So when you say falling knife, basically you don't want to try to catch a falling knife because you'll get caught. It, it, it that, and that's kind of the analogy there. You don't basically you don't want to just, yeah, throw money a in a company that's is, going bankrupt. A falling knife is a uh, you know it's like a company that's it's not necessarily going bankrupt. It just it might keep going down and down and down. You just don't know. Um, I mean, it could be going bankrupt, but you know, Carnival Youth Cruise probably isn't going bankrupt, but. You know, if you drop to try to catch a fallen knife, you're going to get cut. Usually, you have to wait till it hits the ground and comes back up. You know, a company comes back up and recovers. I mean, I, I try to catch fallen knives sometimes. I, I really wouldn't call them fallen knives because uh, the companies I think are sustainable. Um, now, regarding regarding benefiting from the coronavirus, I mean, stocks I might recommend might be uh, Google right now, Facebook. Um, these things are. Uh, Google's actually selling. It actually declined pretty significantly. I think 20% for the month. So. People, if people are staying in, I guess this would be the perfect type of. Uh, it'd have the perfect type of a stock that qualifies for the perfect type of perks. It has long-term sustainability, but it, it's not really going to be hurt by the coronavirus. In fact, sales might increase or something. But like Google is just people. If people, if people are staying, if people are staying indoors, they're going to be surfing the web. They're going to be on. They're going to be uh, looking at YouTube. People are addicted to YouTube already. Um, same with Facebook. Facebook declined a little bit. I don't think it's. I don't think it's absolutely undervalued, but it's, it's but it's selling it for a relatively fair value. And people, once again, if they're not going outside for whatever reason, or whether whether they're scared or something, or the, the pandemic, the pandemic fears are overbearing, then they're going to be surfing the web. So Facebook would be a good option too. So those those two stocks. Another one might might be 3M. Uh, 3M is they sell masks. I'm not sure how much the, I haven't researched 3M lately. Uh, I'm not sure how much the masks make up their revenue, but 3M is actually selling at a fairly, relatively, uh, you know, relatively low valuation, a relatively low valuation um, compared to its history. So that might be a good option for investors if they want to benefit from the coronavirus, but at the same time have a sustainable company. Yeah, if the market has a recession, then 3M might take a little bit of a hit. But uh, I think the recession's already priced in. And like I said, if you want to, like I said, stocks like Google, Facebook, people are going to keep surfing the web. They're going to keep being online. They're going to keep looking at girls' asses on Instagram, whatever you want to, you know, whatever you want to call it, or girls stripping on YouTube or pet videos, whatever the case may be. They're going to still look at that. And uh, they're selling at relatively fair valuations right now. And 3M might be a good bet if you want to bet for the, you know. It's a good company, Scotch tape, you know, brands like that, um, and you're basically betting that, you know, you and it might benefit from the coronavirus. And then again, it might not. So I know they're making a lot of mass sales, but it might be a good bet if you want to if you want to get a good company that might benefit. What What about companies that have large manufacturing in China, like like Apple, Microsoft, Sony, uh, those types? Okay. Uh, no, the question was. Um, wasn't originally if you should short those stocks, uh, if, sh if you should if you should, you should store short stocks that have a lot of uh, business in China. Was that yes? Was that, that, the that was the original question. Yeah, I, I put a little spin on, but yes. I'm sorry for being inflexible. No, uh, I uh, the, well, the if for that question, um, whether you should short stocks that are in China. Well, sh first of all, 
you've already missed the boat for that. Investors would have already missed the boat for it. So whatever whatever fall has occurred, whatever fall would occur from this catastrophe, from this coronavirus, I don't know, incident, whatever, um, it would it's already factored into the market. So if someone was to short such stocks that are operating in China, whether from Apple to Yum Brands or whatever the case may be, or even Starbucks. If someone was or Sony, whatever the case may be, if someone was to short those stocks, they should have did it a month ago or something. So now they, they missed the boat. And shorting shorting itself can be a uh, can kind of be a dangerous thing. I mean, it's not really. Sometimes shorting usually trying to predict the future on stocks. Sometimes a company can be horrible, but people can keep paying into it and paying into it. And as a shorter, it can be kind of dangerous. I never really involved myself with shorts, but if you if you were going to short these stocks, then it, you missed the boat on that because it's. You know, it's it, the price declines have already happened. In fact, it's kind of opposite. These stocks that have that that you that you mentioned, I mean, from Yum Brands to Starbucks, maybe not Apple because Apple hasn't really fallen that much. They're they're becoming more buys now than um than sells or shorts. They're becoming it, it, Starbucks has fallen. It's it's not it's not in my opinion it's fallen a little bit. So it's offering a better it's offering better value now. It probably would have to fall a little bit more, but but young brands and Starbucks are the more buys and sells right now, I would think. Okay, so speaking of that, because so- because because the price has fallen so much due to you know the, these coronavirus fears in China and travel restrictions, whatever the case may be, that's why I'm saying you know it's it's better it's it's better now to buy Starbucks now and young brands now than it was a month ago, and it's not better to short them now because the, the market's already taken that into account. <laughs> It's kind of like, it's kind of like buying gold right now. If you bought gold, you missed it. You kind of gold's already risen. So sorry, people who buy gold kind of missed the boat. They probably should have bought uh, six months ago or something like that. So if you were one of these people that kind of bought six months ago or this or that, could, could all this media hype on the coronavirus be some kind of conspiracy theory driven by some kind of a rich investor, maybe large head uh, hedge fund company, somebody down the line that's manipulating the markets. Could could anybody possibly do something like that? Uh, as a single individual, uh, no. I mean, people over people tend to overestimate wealth and money. I mean, money gets spent really quickly. I mean, even for, even if you're a billionaire, you can go broke. But uh, people underestimate. You know, usually masses move markets. There are investors, as a part of the conspiracy theory, I don't think so. There are investors who have interest in the market falling. I mean, such as short investors, as we just mentioned, people who short stocks or short the market. There's also, there also might be people who sell and they want to convince other people to sell so they can justify their uh, justify their decision. They want to, they don't, they don't want to look foolish for selling, panic selling, so they're going to convince other people to panic sell. Does that does that factor too? Um, and then of course, there's bar- simple bargain hunters may want stocks to fall. They just want to, you know, whether it's a, cons- I don't think it's a conspiracy. I just think, uh, you know, some some people want the market to be shorted, and they're going to encourage the market to go down so they can make money. It's just the way it is. And some people want to hunt for bargains, and others just want to justify their panic selling, encourage other people to panic sell. Uh, so one of our viewers had a question right now asking if buying an S and P 500 ETF is a good play at the moment? Um, it's it's certainly better now than it was a month ago. I mean, that would be the simple answer. I uh, I mean, the markets pull back 20%. So 
let's say hypothetically, if I had ten thousand dollars to, if I wanted to invest ten thousand dollars in an S and P five hundred fund, right now, I might invest maybe one fourth of it, twenty five hundred, and just keep the rest in reserve in case the market keeps falling. And if the if the market keeps falling, you can uh, let's say it falls another ten percent, you can invest another twenty five hundred, or uh, if the market jumps up from now, let's say it doesn't go down anymore, then at least you invested twenty five hundred into it, and you can leave the remaining the remain the remainder on reserve, the remainder three fourths on reserve in case it falls again. I mean, a lot of it is the market was overpriced a month ago, falling twenty percent. It's a little less, you know, it's a little less overpriced. Is it, you know, is it really? You, know, you can invest a little bit in S and P five hundred fund. I would invest. All of it, I would leave some in reserve, basically. I mean, people, uh, people for their retirement accounts, they do what is called, uh, what's it called, dollar cost averaging. I, I don't know what it's called, but it's basically whatever retirement accounts or I don't know if it's IRA, whatever you call it. But they basically put the same amount of money at a set time, and the, they put the same amount of money at a set time into the into the into the index fund, regardless of what the market is doing. And for people. Who hold who want to hold it for 25 to 30 years? That's not a that's not a bad idea. But the problem is that rarely, someone rarely has that discipline to hold something for 25 to 30 years. If you're holding, you know, if you're going to need it, if you're going to need money, wherever the case may be, in 15 years or 20 years, and yeah, you want to you if you want to if you want to if you want to if you're going to need the money in 15 years or less, maybe even less, you mean even 20 years or less. You might want to put more in. You want to put more in when it's falling, and put less in when it's when it's on up. When the market's on the up, when the market's uh, going up, basically, you want to put less when it's going up and more when it's going down. If you're gonna if you're gonna hold this, if you're gonna hold this for 15 years or less. I mean, as I said, had you invested in? A, I think I did this study back in 2018. So had you invested invested in 2007 when the market was at a high point. By 2018, your annual return at one average would have only been like six percent, I think. Whereas, had you invested a year later or a year and a half later when the market was at a low point, then by 2018 you would have had a uh, probably was like 15 or 16 percent return. I can't really remember on average. So that's a, that's a span of 11 years or 10 years. So when you buy into the market, it's important if you're going to hold only for like 15 years or less, or maybe even 20 years or less. People have really rarely lack the discipline to hold it for 25 years, where no matter when you put it in, it doesn't matter because it averages out over time. I would say, like, a, to, to answer his question, to make it simple, just, uh, I mean, if you would buy an S&P 500 fund, I would put leave some, I would leave a probably three fourths of it in reserve in case it falls more, because 20% isn't a, isn't the biggest decline you can see. So you can buy some now, and if it goes up, at least you put a little bit into it. And I'm really. Uh, and if it goes down a little bit more, then start putting a little bit more into it. I'm really a big fan of value ETFs, uh, valuated ETFs. It's simply an S&P 500 ETF or buying or our net ETF that buys into large large capitalization companies, large you know high these these main companies that are selling at decent valuations. A, a, a typical S&P 500 ETF is going to buy into the into S&P 500 but a value one buys into the cheapest companies at S&P 500 so you get a little bit of better return like i like RPV you know, that's ticker RPV that's a pure value one there's Vanguard value that's VOOV there's VTV um, that's another Vanguard value fund so i'm a fan of those too so those would probably be more logical choices i would you can put more a little bit more money into those because value has underperformed lately compared to growth so there are a lot there's a lot more uh, Potential for an upswing. So, you can invest, if you have a, like a simple answer is this: if you're asking to an S&P 500 ETF, 
put a, you can put a little bit in it, but leave some in reserve in case it goes down more. Um, and you can you can put a little bit more if you buy an S and P five hundred value ETF. Like I think Fidelity has the one too, uh, FVAL. So you can put a little bit more into those because those have always underperformed the market lately. So there's a lot more potential. So one of the things that uh, one of the other people asked, and this is a little bit of a, a shift. So this is going to be use your knowledge of the markets to parallel to another market. So a lot of people try to think of buying low, selling high in the betting world. So uh, sports betting, gambling, that kind of thing. So one of the viewers asked a question, if they're betting NBA win totals in October, so you got to put your cash down in October. So let's say you put in $110 and, and, and you only you if you win you get it back in April which you'll get two hundred you'll collect two hundred and ten so you win a hundred dollars so it's you know a ninety one percent return right there what what percentage do you think you would have to win in order to make it profitable from the perspective of putting it into the market so I guess I guess the uh, summary of the question is if I was going to tie up money into into there what am i missing out on in the market and how much do i need to have roi on uh betting if it's going to make it successful jesus you gotta wait he's he's placing a bet in october and he and he wins a bet in october and he's gonna wait till april to get it is that is that what you're telling me yeah so like you'll have a um nba win total which by the way just suspended the rest of their season thank you coronavirus um you will uh, you'll put a, a season win total, so they play 82 games. I don't know how many they're going to play this year. And let's say you bet the New Orleans Pelicans to win over 95 and a half games. But you have to put that money in in October, but you don't know if you're going to win all the way until April. So it kind of ties up your money. It's kind of like it's kind of like buying into a CD that's guar- that for them if you win, you're going to you're going you're guaranteed your money. Now you potentially can lose, so you know you got that part into it, but if I get a 91% return in six months, that seems pretty good. But what am I missing out on the market? I mean, you're not missing out on shit. I mean, what you, what's going to get you 91% in six months in the market? Nothing. I mean, I, this is, uh, this is of course, uh, hypothetically, if you win, uh, you win the bet. I mean, winning the bet is more important than the time frame. Uh, as long as you, uh, winning the bet, is far more important than the time frame because nothing else is going to give you that. Nothing else is going to give you that uh, high return. And let, the only thing that's going to give you that high return is like highly speculative bets that you want to place in the market, such as betting on like a coronavirus stock or a penny stock to go up. And you, you don't want to, you know, I wouldn't do that. Now, would I bet? Do I think betting is a better? Do I think betting is a better alternative? Most for me, most likely not. You know, unless you have some really good uh, knowledge on these teams and knowledge on, you know, the sport, you know, the sport in general. So nothing's going to give you. The thing is, you just have to make sure you have a reserve, a reserve amount of cash to place subsequent bets because the money you initially bet it is tied up until April. So you want to make sure, you know, if you're betting 100 percent of what you can bet in October, but you're not going to get it back until April. If you see another good bet in between October and April, you can't place money on it. So you just want to have a reserve. Nothing. You're not missing out on anything in the market for 90 for a hundred percent return or 91 percent return. Just the key is just to get the bet right. That you know the key is to get the bet right. Do like decision trees. I mean, I think 
I mean, I assume I've never done NBA betting, so maybe I'm lecturing birds how to fly here. Um, because maybe, maybe people know how to do it far better than I do. But, you, I mean, you want to uh, – obviously, I don't know how to do it. But from a bet perspective, winning is the only thing that really matters. And, you know, even if your money's tied up for six months because the payoff seems great. But you want to – obviously, you want – most people don't understand how to make bets. They, uh, they don't understand how to make bets. They basically think, well – this team or this person, this fighter has a higher chance to win, so I'm gonna bet on him. It's not obviously it's not the it's not the uh, prob it's not just the probability of uh, winning of one of the person you're betting on winning or losing. It's the magnitude of what you're gonna win when you when they win. For example, it could be a fighter who I think is going to lose, but I could bet on him because the payout if he wins is like ten times more. This is a hypothetical example. It's kind of ridiculous. The, the payout maybe 10 times more if he happens to win, which he might have only a 20% chance to do, but it's so lopsided, it might make more sense to bet on him. So the key is to make good bets, not to really worry about your money being tied up for six months. Because a 91% return, you're not going to be able to replicate that at all. Very I, mean, I think, I think a, good, a good example would be MMA. And with MMA, UFC odds, um, rarely – Rarely do you see me. You don't really see too many misplaced odds in the main events. There's too, there's too much attention on them, or the co-main events. There's too much attention on them. Um, but recently, I think you know they had Israel Adesanya against Yoel uh, Romero. That was the last. That was the last UFC event. It was a boring fight, but that's not the point. The point is, I think the odds. It's kind of rare you see a main event kind of screw up screw up the odds. But Yo Romero. Um, you guys say you can say he barely lost that fight, uh, but you know I think it paid three to one if he won, which he had a higher chance of winning than what people were giving him. So even though I thought Yoel would probably lose, I might you know hypothetically if I had to bet, I probably would have bet on him because him him losing paid out three to one. You understand? It paid out three. It paid out almost three to one when he had I think maybe a forty percent chance to win, which is a lot higher than people were giving him. So the key is just to make the bets. You know, just to do a decision tree and make sure. Well, I mean, it's hard to get the, the exact probabilities, but just to do a decision tree and get the bets right. As long as you you win on bets, the six months doesn't matter. All right. Well, that you surprised me with your knowledge of sports gambling, there, Kenny. You did a very good job. And yes, you're right. You look for the value. You may not always be betting on the favorite, or you may bet with the point spread you're looking at. Is the probability of this event happening and the payout, is there a delta there? And is that delta worth investing my money in? So you did a very, very detailed job there, which I, w I enjoyed. So one of the other questions we had is part of the market that I don't really understand is how it kind of interacts with the Fed. So the Fed will come and cut rates here and there, cut interest rates, and you'll see the market react. And usually no matter what the fed does i swear the market always goes negative on it but the fed cut rates lately and you can get a really really cheap uh mortgage at the moment so is there anything in the properties you're looking at right now well let me uh let me just further elaborate on the betting thing before i answer that i just want to say like what how much you bet matters too i mean the percentage of the of the capital you have so it's not you know, you look at the bets, you get the probability of a win or loss, and then you get the payout. You know, what's the magnitude of the win or loss betting against it or something? But then, of course, you got to make sure you bet sensibly and bet and bet the, the appropriate amount of capital. Obviously, you don't, you're not going to bet, you know, like I said, a, a friend of mine bet on Trump to win the presidency back in 2016, which 
everyone thought was like a very, you know, a very low probability of happening. Now, obviously, he made a lot of money in it, but because that bet's a once in a lifetime, you, you know, obviously, you're not going to bet like a, a huge amount of capital on it. So, you know, just to further elaborate, there's actually a formula. I forgot what it's called. There's a formula where you determine the amount you should bet on each bet based on the based on the mag the probability of magnitude of winning. I, I I have it on my think website, but I don't you know I haven't used it in so long. But um but but to talk about the mortgage rates, the mortgage rates, I mean the relative relative to now to to the past, it's great to borrow right now. I don't know if a 15 year loan is necessarily better than a 30 year loan. It might be it might be on an individual basis. I think of uh I think of interest rates kind of in terms of it as an investor. So I think, well, the profit of uh, property X, Y, and Z is let's say a thousand a month, and if the interest rate is lower than a thousand a month, you know, with the margin of safety, let's say it's at seven hundred or six hundred, that's a good that's a good buy. And currently, with conditions right now, it's the best time to buy because the lo you can get the lowest interest rate regardless if it's a fifteen year or thirty year relative to who you are. I mean, you, you go to a bank. I apply for a loan. They're going to give me something else. You and then so, they're going to give me something different than what you might get at a bank. You know, you might a 30, 15 year loan, a thirty year loan might be a thirty year loan might be better for you, or fifteen better for me. Whatever the case may be, but it doesn't change the fact that relative now's a good time to borrow money. Um, real estate's overpriced though, but buying real estate with 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 a debt is you know it's not you know it'd be if real estate prices were declining, it'd be perfect for an investor. From a buyer's perspective, because the loan you can he can buy undervalued property at low interest rates. Right now, the prop right now the property is overvalued a bit. The property is quite is, is overvalued pretty moderately, but you can buy it at low interest rates. So it's good to get a loan right now, maybe to refinance. Uh, buying real estate may not be that great, but I, I think in terms of interest rates, like an investor. So what, I, if I go to a bank and I get a and I'm trying to buy a rental property. I'm going to pick the loan, whether 15, the 15 or the 30, that has the, the least payment, that gives me the biggest profit spread over profit and mortgage payment. So, so let me let me ask you another question: Is there any advantage on refinancing? Like, it, so let's say you're already in the loan right now, and maybe you're like at uh, 30 year at like 3.8 or something like that, and right now they're offering a 30 year at like three flat or 2.9 or something like that like the delta there is it, it like how have you looked into much of that of what the actual best value is no i haven't really looked i don't know i don't know what you even mean by delta i'm not i'm not, I'm not familiar with what you're talking about the the difference I know, I know. the difference in the uh the current mortgage interest rate you have versus what you could get by refinancing oh oh okay uh sport rich kid i don't really have to deal with too much debt in my life sorry Shots. That is a great, great shot right there. That's why Kenneth Marshall is the investor and not you, because he's got the cash. Rich, stay rich, bitch. <laughs> Inherited wealth. No, no, no. I mean, some of it, but no, uh, no. Um, I don't like. I'm not really sure. I just, I just relative to refinancing. I never really had to deal with that option, but I assume it'd be you know most most people most homeowners. If they're able to do it, should look into it now because, I mean, they're going to be able to borrow for dirt cheap. So just, you know, individual basis, it's going to be different from everyone. But relative uh, relative right now, it's best to kind of – you probably would be able to refinance and get a lot a lot less – like a lot less – a lot lower mortgage payment than originally. 
Um, one quick question. Somebody asked, is corporate debt the next subprime mortgage crisis? I mean, it might be. I, I'm not going to – I mean, I think it's what, over $40 billion. I mean, how a trillion – was it? I don't, I don't, wait, wait. No, excuse me. Sorry. It's like it's up to like $9 trillion or 10 I don't know, whatever the case may be. A, a large percentage of the economy, like 40%. I don't know. But the, the key is whether they, these companies are borrowing debt. When I invest, I invest in a company usually that doesn't have too much debt or that can pay off its debt really quickly. I kind of I do – I, when I analyze a company, I analyze what its earnings are, and analyze what what its debt is, and how quickly can it pay off its debt. So, from I you know I see things from an individual company perspective as an investor, so I'm not really too concerned with it. But company, if companies, if consumer spending declines and companies have been company, the interest rates are low and they've been low for a while, so the payments these companies make doesn't have to be get, you know, isn't isn't shouldn't be that drastic, and it's encouraged them to continue to borrow and to borrow and to borrow. But their their issue is when consumer spending stops, and their earnings and their and their earnings slice in half. Are they still able to pay the pay the mortgage or whatever you want to call it? So it could very well be uh, these companies could very well be greedy and not take into account consumer spending might decline for them. But you know who knows? I'm not going to try to predict the future with that. And that's a that's a good way to wrap this up because as Kenneth Marshall says, he does not predict the future. Kenny, do you have anything else you want to touch on real quick before we uh, before we say goodbye to the viewers? Well, yeah, that issue. You wanted to speak about Monster Energy. I'm not sure if one of your members, one of your <laughs> oh, yeah, you, had that question. You're right. Monster thought, Energy makes very good quality products. They got the Rain Energy drink now out there. I mean, a lot of people are pounding energy drinks. Monster seems like a great brand. Stock's been going up. Yeah, look at Monster. I think. Uh, well, I mean, if you want me, if, do you want me to elaborate on? Yeah, sure, gonna, sure. Yeah, go for it. I mean, it's hard. I, I, it's it's kind of arrogant for me to say elaborate because I, I think I don't think I've read. I, I was I, I put Monster. I, I looked at Monster Energy uh, a few years ago and put it on a watch list so I can watch it in case it fell. In case it fell, what do I think as an my opinion of Monster right now today as an investment? And I do think. Um, I do think it's still a bit overpriced. The market hasn't really hit it too hard. I don't. I don't think it's really hit it that hard at all, from what I recall. It might. It might have today, but it's still. It's. It's still a bit overpriced. But it's, it is a good company. It's. It's got a lot of growth. It's. Uh, obviously, you got. It's secular nature. People are going to drink energy drinks regardless. In most cases, the thing is with Monster Energy is. I mean, Monster. It's called Monster Beverage Corporation, but it is Monster Energy. So when you do invest in it. You aren't investing in beverages. You're investing in energy drinks, more specifically, because Monster, Monster isn't Monster Beverage Corporation isn't really that diversified. So they're not. They're, I think they're just energy drinks. Rain, uh, rain's an energy drink. It's a workout energy drink, if I'm recall. Um, but uh, don't act like are, you've never are, had one, Kenny. I, I know you. I know, I know I you drink, want to get drink, pumped. I don't drink energy drinks, so keep me up like for three days straight. But uh, but no uh. Yeah, but balance, like I said, it's if you buy Monster, you're betting on energy drinks, not beverages. Like a company like Coca-Cola and Pepsi have a high, you know, they're much more diversified with beverages. With Monster Energy, you're betting on energy drinks. Period. Now, Coca-Cola, there's two ways to invest in Monster Energy. You can either buy Monster beverage stock, or you can buy buy Coca-Cola because Coca-Cola owns about 16 to 17. I think it's like around 16 to 17% in monster beverage. 
So you you could buy Coca-Cola and kind of 17% like a, and since Coca-Cola owns about 16 to 17% of Monster Beverage Corporation benefit from Monster Beverage sales by through Coca-Cola or you can buy Monster Beverage itself. It's probably Coca-Cola is more of a bread and butter stock. It's more safe. It hasn't but it doesn't grow. Monster Beverage has a lot more growth potential. So it'd probably be better to invest in Monster itself. Um, it'd probably be like, well, it'd be a lot more aggressive to do it. And I would, you know, I probably would, if I had to choose, I'd probably invest in Monster because it has a lot more growth opportunities. But you could invest, you could buy Coca Cola stock too and kind of benefit from Monster Energy. Uh, Monster Beverage, I know they have a partnership with Coca Cola and they have, a, they have a partnership with Coca Cola with their bottling company. So Monster Beverage, when they're, when they're expanding to other internationally, they use Coca-Cola's bottling plants. They don't have to build their own. If I, if I, I think that's the case. So they got a, they got a, they got a, a way to expedite sent, you know, without having to spend a lot of capital, their product to the, to the world. So that's, that's a good thing. The only issue I have is Coca-Cola. It's kind of weird. Coca-Cola is coming out with their own energy drink. I hear and that's going to kind of compete with Monster, which kind of is kind of weird because Coke owns interest in Monster. So it's a little bit of a misalignment, I, would, I guess you would call it. I mean, I'm not really sure what the language would be, but it's like Coca-Cola is going to be competing with Monster, but Coke owns interest in Monster. So it's a, it's a bit weird. Uh, maybe Coke, you know, maybe Coca-Cola is a good, you know, maybe Coca-Cola will acquire Monster. It might be a good acquisition target. But you know that that it's kind of it's a little bit weird when you uh, when you're making an energy drink that's going to compete with the company you have interest in. Like uh, last thing is like I don't know about their I don't know about the rain sales. I know rain came out. They're, they made rain inferno or something recently, and it's competing with another energy drink. I think it's called Bang. I'm not sure how that's going, so I don't have an opinion on that. But Monster is a good company if you want to bet on energy drinks. You know. If you buy Monster, you're going to be invested in energy drinks and just energy drinks. And you're not going to be diversified in other beverages, just to let investors know. Well, energy drinks seem to be the big craze. I know in the industry I work in, a lot of people are drinking energy drinks. Monster is grabbing the lion's share. Red Bull still got a stronghold, and yeah, you'll get a bang and that in there too. But watch out for the Monster Thermogenics. Those things hit differently. Yeah, I think uh, I mean Monster. I think is a good company. So I mean, I, I would I would give it a. I mean, I wouldn't buy it at this valuation, but if it falls a little bit more, it might be it might be something worth considering. Um, I'd buy Coke too, but Monster would probably be more of an aggressive play. But aggressive doesn't necessarily mean less safe because Coke doesn't have growth. You might get a better return with Monster because it actually has growth. Kind of, you like when I, I made a post. Uh, the audience doesn't know. The audience doesn't see my page discussing that people are. Flocking, you know, supposedly flocking to hand sanitizer and toilet paper stocks, whatever the case may be, which is absurd, considering you know two factors: one, that the market is already priced in that, so the stocks already kind of risen. Like example would be Clorox and maybe Kroger, uh, you know, Kroger stock or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, these and these like uh, so they're but it's and secondly, not only is the market already factored in that. Uh, it's like it's such a short-term horizon to just be obsessed with these with the next quarterly earnings report of the this you know the like six months from now this you know for the two quarters 
you know, you should be looking for companies that have long-term advantages, but to buy a company just because it might have a boost in sales for the fourth quarter is completely absurd. Yeah, I mean, you want to focus, you want to focus on companies that are sustainable for the long term. And most of these companies buying, you know, having sand, hand sanitizer and toilet paper are overpriced simply because they might have a small boost in sales from toilet paper or hand sanitizer and just buying them on that basis is, is, is ignoring the long-term fundamentals of the business is overpriced. You got Clorox, which has risen a lot. Kimberly, you know, all these, you know, Kimberly Clark, Procter & Gamble, Kroger, um, Costco, all these, all these stocks haven't really fallen too much to where, you know, so buying them just now when they're overpriced, you know, just because they, they sell hand sanitizer and toilet paper is completely absurd. And it's only for, it's seeing the tree and missing the forest. You know, you, you don't, you see the trees, but not the forest behind it. And other stocks inversely are being affected when people are, are seeing the trees and not the forest. I mean, you got, they think the, corner, the coronavirus will last forever. They think that, okay, well, the next two quarters are going to be horrible for certain businesses. So we're going to just destroy it. Like we're just going to not invest any capital in these businesses, which doesn't, it's again, a short term horizon, um, air traffic, you know, air, all airlines are down. You have, a, the, you know, there's, there's refineries down. People don't understand that the demand for refined, you know, refined, uh, fuel or whatever the case may be is going to still, still be around. Like after, even after the coronavirus has passed, you don't, uh, restaurants are down, crack, you know, cracker barrel, Cheesecake Factory, Texas Roadhouse, these stocks have been utterly devastated because people know in six people know in six months that okay, well these stocks are you know, they these stocks might not might miss on earnings because less people are going to restaurants. They don't realize that people are gonna be going to restaurants ten years from now. You know, they don't they, or, or a year from now, they're gonna go back to restaurants. They don't understand that. And same thing with banks. Banks are falling because of low interest rates, but they don't realize that interest rates aren't gonna stay that way forever. So People are buying stocks overpriced because of, you know, the next quarterly earnings report, whether they saw toilet paper or hand sanitizer or whatever, and they're ignoring stocks because they might have a bad uh, quarterly earnings report because of this coronavirus thing, like from airlines to, to refineries to restaurants to banks, whatever the case may be. And that, that's causing that's causing opportunities for smart investors to invest in, you know, the depressed stocks, but they should be avoiding overpriced stocks just you know i don't care if they have a they don't care if they have a good quarter but the the, the idea is long-term fundamentals do they are they undervalued some of these companies are great you know costco is great clorox is great procter and gamble whatever the case may be but buying into them at these high valuations simply because they're gonna have a good quarter is completely absurd i i completely agree with you i uh, and also it's crazy that you can't find toilet paper Hand sanitizer, gloves, anything at any of the supermarkets right now. It's just, it's absolutely. I went to Walmart. I went to Walmart today, and they had no water. They no, they're all completely sold out of water in Madurina. It's a almost sold out of water. You only had those little bottles left and stuff. Absolutely crazy. All right, um, Kenny. Thank you for joining us on the Talking Small podcast. I appreciate you coming back on. As we get investor questions, please send them to us at talkingsmallpodcast at gmail.com. If you want more, Kenny, you can uh, request to join the New Orleans Investors Facebook group. Got to be sponsored by a member to get in, or Kenny's just got to like your profile picture, one of the two. <laughs> or, you, just can't be, you just can't be some random, I don't know. I had a girl, I had a girl with... Um, I don't know, some girl with like big titties tried to, and, and like it was a suspect profile and she had nothing but male friends try to join today. And the other day I had someone from, I don't know where it was. It might, I think it was, uh, 
might have it might have been Singapore or something trying to join. It was it was weird, and their profile was very weird. So I, but no, I'm, I'm mostly you know it just all you got it's Facebook, New Orleans investors, and uh, it's just a charity I run. So I just I post information on there, post real estate for sale in New Orleans area and maybe surrounding areas. And I talk about and we and me and the audience talk about stocks. So it's a charity. You're not no one's ever, no one's gonna. Fl- no one's going to find any anything like it because it's a charity, and you know no one talks about stocks except in lo- in the local cities, except on this Facebook page. So, Kenny also hosts events that he promotes on that page. So uh, he'll go he'll go to the local library, sit down, and and you know talk about some kind of whatever the topic is. So investments, properties, whatever it is. So Kenny, I appreciate all the work you do, and you educate me every time we have a family get together. Uh, it's 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 always a good time. All right, thank you. And uh, just remember, uh, stay the course. Uh, you know, whatever's happening in the market. If you have money in the markets right now, don't you know? Don't you know, typically don't look at your portfolio every day because that just is going to make you you want to you want to distance yourself from it. So, I mean, I think there's you know, if I was if I was if I fell out of the sky now today, and I saw the interest rates being as low as they are, and the stocks being as low as they are, I would be sal- salivating. I'll be I'll be buying stocks like crazy. If you already have money in the market, just write it out and don't panic. Just don't, you don't have to look at the market every day. You don't have you don't get an appraisal on your house every day. So it's just the liquid the liquid nature of stocks makes people stupid because they can sell them, buy them, and sell them quickly. They figure that's what they have to do. You don't have to look at the market every day. Just like, just like you don't have to look at your home, get an appraisal of your home every day. You don't have to look. At, you have to. You don't have to get a. You don't have to look at the market every day and see price movements. The long term always wins. And with that, thank you all for joining us on another episode of Talking Small Podcast, Kenny. I appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you soon, buddy. Thank you.